This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And so the Movie the Marathoners podcast is a thing that we've been working on for, I would say, about six months. Yeah. Uh, we've been really excited to do it. We've just wanted to do sort of an informal podcast where we get to talk about movies and kind of practice breaking down what we liked about movies and what we didn't like about them. Um, so I guess our official tagline the Movie Marathoners podcast is the podcast where marathoners get to run their mouths about a new movie each week. And so like a marathon, a movie can be good, bad, or a bit of both, and we're here to talk about it all. So the way that we'll do these podcasts um, is we will start with a general topic, a uh, general movie for the bulk of the cast, and then at the very end in a .2 section, we are going to talk about just briefly some things that we have also been watching. So we're really excited to do this, and uh, hopefully we'll grow and learn a lot about this on the way. I'm sure the podcast will evolve as we get feedback from hopeful listeners, and we're just here to have some fun and talk about movies. Hopefully we'll have some guests on, too. Yeah, yeah. So once we get a hang of this a little bit more, we'll bring some guests in and get a bit more life in this podcast. It's not (laughs) just the two of us talking. (laughs) But yeah, so let's get started. Today we are going to be reviewing Captain Marvel. We're, I think we're both really excited to talk and dive yes. in about that. Uh, so we'll warm up with spoiler-free thoughts about the film and whether you should see it. And then we'll head directly into spoiler territory for the bulk of the cast before concluding with that point two section, a brief discussion of what else we've been watching. So first, let's read a synopsis of Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. It stars Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson, and the directors are Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. So, Ian, anyone who knows you knows that you are a uh, Captain Marvel stan, a massive fanboy of this. I think we're both huge Marvel fans, but you especially love Captain Marvel. Yeah. So let me tell, let me ask you first what you thought about this movie and whether it kind of lived up to the hype of seeing your favorite hero on screen. Yeah, I was worried that nothing was going to live up to the the hype of it because I've been thinking about this movie. I I went through my Facebook page yesterday, like looking through my old posts, and I've been waiting for this movie since like 2014, I think. I found a post post where I wrote about a rumor that Angelina Jolie was going to be directing this movie. Oh, directing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. And I voiced my my doubts on that. So that just goes to show how long I've been waiting uh, to, to see Carol on the big screen. And then, like, I've been reading her, like, years before that, too. Yeah, so so I had pretty high hopes going into the movie. And they were they were met, I think. This was an origin story by and far. It wasn't anything new as far as, like, Marvel formulas go. But as far as the character, I, I loved her. I loved what Brie Larson brought to the character. She kicked ass on screen, which we love to see. 
I thought the special effects were pretty awesome, which uh, I think you might disagree with, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I will be honest. Going into this, I definitely had my doubts about this. The trailers didn't wow me as much as they wowed you. Mm-hmm. So I was like a little skeptical going in. I didn't know uh, if this was going to be like just, you know, Iron Man rehashed yeah. slash Ant-Man rehashed slash Doctor Strange rehashed. And for the most part, I was actually like very pre- pleasantly surprised that they there was it was a decently fresh take on the origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of good twists that we'll talk about later. Brie Larson was great. Uh, I never doubted Brie Larson. Yeah. Oscar winner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people do. Yeah. I I really, really enjoyed this movie. I I had a lot of fun with it. I think I'll have a couple flaws. One one very big flaw that um, we can talk about in a little bit. But overall, just the, the energy and the fun that I had in this movie was great. And it's on par with a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, original Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, something I actually just thought of that I thought was great about this movie was um was was the side characters. I thought they all mm-hmm. like brought a lot of life to the movie. Like Maria Rambo, she was pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, I thought that the the best part about this film was kind of the Carol or Brie Larson's character and um kind of the relationship between her and all the other characters on screen. I really liked that they were introducing this sort of new world, but Brie Larson wasn't exactly new to the world. So they, you know, a large portion of this movie takes place in space. Mm-hmm. It takes place on Hala, the uh, Kree home planet. And when it actually starts on that planet and Brie Larson is already like established there as uh, a character, as part of, is it Starfleet? Star, Star Force. Force? Star Force. Yeah. Star Force, not Space Force, but Star Force. Okay. I thought of and it as like a Star Force command, like with, with Buzz Lightyear. Oh. That's how I remember it. Isn't that Star, is it Star Force? I think so, right? I I don't know. Buzz Lightyear to Star Force Command, you know? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. But yeah, I liked that that world was like lived in or whatever, and we weren't, we were getting introduced to it, but the character wasn't getting introduced to it. So it's just Star Command. Yeah. Uh, I'm an yeah, idiot. Yeah. yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> Moron. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was, it was kind of nice to not have to, you know, like have her start on Earth and then do, you know, basically the Green Lantern thing of, like, moving to space and blah, 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 blah. If anything, they they invert it, and she kind of goes back to Earth and learns about her past that she's previously forgotten. Yeah. So one cool part about this film uh, is that there's sort of this mystery surrounding it. There's, like, her mysterious past, kind of how um, how her place in, in the world where she got her powers from, all this stuff that is fairly interesting to mm-hmm. kind of uncover. And I think that they they give you enough throughout the film so it doesn't feel like you know nothing and then, you know, at an hour 30, there's an exposition dump and you know everything. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, it trickles out and uh, it lays its clues pretty well. I, I think it's the mystery around who... Carol Danvers is, who the scrolls are, who the Cree are, mm-hmm. is uh, very well played. And yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting that from what I thought was going to be kind of like a fun but traditional mm-hmm. uh, origin story. Something, something that made me like Carol a lot more in this is that on her like journey to find her past, like she's continually like being lied to by people that she trusts mm-hmm. and like finding out that things weren't what she thought they were. And I, I think it's funny that the person that she ends up trusting with all of her secrets for like the most in the movie was uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, like playing a super spy. <laughs> I thought that was. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. So Sam Jackson, I thought was fantastic. Oh in yes, this. young Sam Jackson. He, yeah. So this, <laughs> I guess we should say that Captain Marvel takes place in the '90s. So um, they had to de-age Samuel L. Jackson roughly 25 years, and the de-aging tech is incredible. It's nuts. It is completely unnoticeable. I think we were joking that it's so undistracting that it's almost distracting. Yeah. To the point where like you forget that. This man is what sixty something like that, and he looks like just a regular twenty-five year old. We've seen Marvel and Disney as a whole like to play around with this, and I thought that this was the seventy-one. Oh my god, (laughs) that's ridiculous! Oh jeez, wow, seventy, almost seventy-one. Seventy, okay, but yeah. So I mean, we've seen Marvel play around with this de-aging tech quite a bit, um, and I think this was the very first one that was like, you know as perfect as it could be. I, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, when they de-aged Hank Pym, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas, for, you know, whatever, t- 30 seconds, that was pretty believable too. Yeah. But there's large portions of the movie with Sam L. Jackson. He's almost like a co-lead in this film. He is, yeah. Um, and he's de-aged the whole time. It's it's insane. But yeah, their chemistry, like Brie Larson and Sam Jackson's chemistry are is, is great. I think the uh, showstopper in this film, though, is definitely Goose the Cat. Oh, yes, Goose. <laughs> Goose is a good cat. Goose is Goose is great. So for anybody in the comics that knows, there's a little bit more to Goose than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't, we won't talk about that right now. Um, I'm pretty sure Goose's name is Chewy in the comics. I could be wrong about that. Yeah? Yeah. Chewy after Chewbacca because Carol Danvers is a huge Star Wars fan in the comics. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if Disney did that, like, like changed that just to not be so like yeah. <laughs> self-congratulatory or whatever. Maybe they're trying um, to save it in case uh, they merge universes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. No, because they referenced Star Wars in The Winter Soldier. Oh, you're remember? right. Yeah, that would be ridiculous yeah. if they did that now. Yeah. yeah, checkmate. Also, there's a so there's a lot of 90s references in this film, and one of the 90s references is uh, Sam Jackson say, mentioning Hannibal Lecter oh, in yeah. Silence of the Lambs, yeah. who is played by Anthony Hopkins, who is Odin, in the Thor movies, so universe collapsed. This movie sucks. Everything's connected. Yeah. No. No, I'm, I'm saying that it breaks the connection. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, no. So, I mean, that stuff's, up, that stuff's just fun. <laughs> but let's actually, you mentioned Goose maybe being named Chewie in the comics. Mm-hmm. They they do a, quite a few um, changes from canon in yes. this. And we'll talk about them a little bit more in specifics in the Spoilers, but what did you think about those changes? Were those welcome? How, how do you feel about films changing comic canon as it applies I, to origin? And, I'm fine with it. I don't, yeah. don't want to go into a movie based on a comic book like knowing exactly what's going to happen. That's like boring to watch. As, mm-hmm. as fun as it would be to see like the like normal Civil War comic played out on the big screen, like I wanted to see something different. And that's what I saw in Captain Marvel, and I really like that. Yeah, I um I thought that actually the way that they changed it was uh, brilliant. <laughs> it seems like a lot of the times people change things in comics just like for the sake of changing mm-hmm. them or like it's easier or whatever. But this has a very like the the main change that I'm thinking of has a very significant impact on the plot. Yeah, and so maybe we just shouldn't say anything more about that until spoilers. So I think you. I, I kind of want to get your opinion, uh, or not opinion, but um, given that you're such a huge Captain Marvel fan, why why is Captain Marvel so important to you? Why is she your favorite character? Okay. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. <laughs> let's let's dive into so, it. So, 
Captain Marvel is definitely one of my favorites. Um, a close second is Spider Man, and I think Spider Man is like pretty well loved by like pretty much everybody, mostly because he's a hero that people can see a bit of themselves in. They see like a bit of the like nerdy kid, a bit of like just the guy who like wants to try to do the right thing, somebody who like doesn't fit in. And, and that's something that like I, I do love about Spider-Man, but what makes me love Captain Marvel on the other hand like so much is that she's somebody that I would like to be like. I, I admire all of her traits, like her leadership skills, like her ability to continually like get up after she's figuratively and like literally knocked down like hundreds of times. You see that in the trailer for the movie, you see that in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in the comics. like in the in the comics, she has, like, a messed up history. She's a terrible childhood. People, like, continually telling her that she can't do things because she's a woman. And that's, like, all before she gets her powers. And then, like, after she gets her powers, she's raped by an intergalactic being. Oh, my God. And then she comes back from space, and all the Avengers are, like, happy for her that she's pregnant. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so that, yeah, Marvel had a bit of a hiccup there. So let's <laughs> let's uh, let's say that that is nowhere in this. Yeah, film, no, no, no. It's not. Um, and like her, her boyfriend's killed by Mystique, and then like she becomes an alcoholic and is like kicked out of the Avengers, and like she just okay. handles all this stuff and like continually gets up, and that, that's something that I really like about her. Okay, so I mean, uh, coming off of like Spider Verse, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of getting knocked down, getting back up thing is one of the kind of defining traits of Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. And the leadership reminds me a lot of Captain America. Yeah. So is it safe to say that she's kind of like a mix between those two? Or like, is it... She's a mix of those two traits, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've read a few Captain Marvel comics. Um, she's a bit more hot-headed than Ca- Captain America, though. Okay. Like, she'll go in, like, without a plan. And, yeah. Like, she'll either, like, do something amazing or fuck things up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So she... um. So I guess what I'm what I'm asking, um, and like, I'm not trying to like say, oh, you know, she's the same as everyone else. I, I'm I'm trying to find like what makes her like a unique character, like yeah. a, a character that's worthy of standing, not worthy, but like, yeah, what what makes her unique? What what makes you gravitate towards her instead I, of Captain America, for example? I I think it might be like her hot headedness can on top of her leadership skills because mm-hmm. like Captain America. When he's in charge of the Avengers, like, he plans, like, every little thing out and is very focused on, like, staying together as a team. But Captain Marvel, like, she'll, she'll, like, make plans, of course, and stuff, but if plans go awry or something, she'll be, like, the first to, like, I don't know, fly in, like, half-cocked and beat the shit out of people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Um, So then bringing it back to the film, do you think the film... Shows that, justifies it, kind of, do, yeah. do, do you see that? I, I saw a lot of that when she was talking with um with, with Maria Rambo about, like, their past and stuff. Like, she was saying, mm-hmm. like, oh, you, like, came in at, like, I don't know, like, early in the morning and just, like, woke me up and, like, told me that we had to go. And then, like, by the time I was, like, out there, you were already in a plane and flying. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And there, there are a few situations where I, I think she goes in without a plan and it works out yeah 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 for sure okay cool do you have any non-specific but general i don't want to say negatives but not positives um that you can and like why don't why don't you use this as your final thoughts for non-spoilers and uh we can score this and move on to spoilers wait you go first 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. Overall, I said, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed this. My main kind of gripe with this film is I think the cinematography in it is pretty bad. I I thought that the the way that the action was filmed was very shaky cammy. Yeah. Were you a bit nauseous at points? Because not nauseous, <laughs> but more just like frustrated because I couldn't understand what was going on. Yeah. Like it was like. Who was she punching? What was going on? What's kind of like the the setup of this action sequence? It was very hard to get like a feel for what was going on in those action sequences. Mm-hmm. In those action sequences, especially the ones that are like hand to hand or on the ground. Some of the flight sequences are actually very good, mm-hmm. like the uh, fighter pilot sequences or whatever. Those are actually pretty well done. But I think in general, the cinematography is like a little dull. The Some of the settings are very dusty and like poorly lit. So it's very hard to like appreciate some of the colors in this compared to something like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. And yeah, just like the some of the fight scenes weren't as... How I looked at them weren't as cool as what I knew was actually happening. Like it would have been nicer to kind of be a little more zoomed out and see what was going on. I don't know if that's because like the choreography was a little lackluster. So they needed a lot of like quick cuts Mm -hmm. and shakiness to like mask the fact that, you know, there wasn't quite as much uh, training there. But I do think that and, and this didn't apply to just scenes with Captain Marvel. They're just like all the scenes, like even scenes between like the scrolls and Sam Jackson, they have a fight or like. Some some of those scenes just weren't as thrilling as I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that in like a movie like Iron Man or Doctor Strange, if the visuals weren't there, I would have been a little checked out. And with this, because of the fresh twists and kind of the take on the origin story that was different, I was able to be very engaged throughout it, regardless of me being like, okay, let's actually kind of skip some of this action stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was a good balance between like being serious and humor. It's not as humorous as some of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. So it didn't feel quite as formulaic in that way. Um, I thought the ending when, well, I thought the ending fight scene was great. And, uh, you know, I got goosebumps and we, uh, you know, the whole audience cheered. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting <laughs> for the most part is great. Uh, I have a tiny few nitpicks that I'll mention in spoilers but overall um this movie is good it's fun like you said before it doesn't really reinvent the wheel or anything though yeah so i'm gonna give this one a solid seven and a half with a um definite recommend (sighs) that hurt a little bit hurt yeah okay seven and a half like if we didn't do halves i would round up to an eight just for the record okay like so i would round it up to an eight Okay, in my in my head but but because okay that's fine but because i like doing (laughs) the point fives um like it's not like a seven is a is a good movie, and I think it's definitely better than that. It, it is there are moments of greatness in it. Yeah. Um, there's just some things that sort of draw me out of it, um, but I don't think that's enough to ruin the movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I feel like my my main one is like how how it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It it mm-hmm. is you you can very much tell that it is following the Marvel origin formula. I I feel like at least in the beginning of the film and, and an, oh yeah the other thing that actually stood out to me during the movie was like that this is supposed to be set in the 90s and you do see like a couple nods to that there there are jokes yeah. like with the, the computers working slowly and stuff and uh some of the music playing but i feel like compared to other marvel films where, where they like really immerse themselves in uh their like environments and go like all in on something 
I feel like this it really wasn't as noticeable. Yeah, if you if you compare sort of like the the production design with a Black Panther yeah. and this, which I mean is a little unfair because Black, Black Panther, Panther just won an Oscar yeah. for production design. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's it's not quite as immersive, especially mm-hmm. in the like the the world of Hala mm-hmm. and things like that. Maybe it's just because the '90s wasn't that immersive. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, they're also playing loose with technology in the '90s. Like, yeah, like a computer boots slow, but then they have like light speed, like yeah. Pegasus ships and stuff. It's like okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess my one other not like it's not a gripe, but thing that like a marvel a lot of marvel movies tend to do this is that like the score wasn't all that mm-hmm. entertaining it wasn't unique captain marvel didn't have a um, a theme a theme yeah, yeah that's what i was thinking too and that would have been nice um there's one scene where they play the avengers theme and like the like excitement that you get from hearing that theme as mm-hmm. a fan of the avengers is like that would have been nice to kind of have a recurring uh carol danvers theme yeah yeah for sure um and then sometimes they're like even their soundtrack choices are a little weird like sometimes they're doing like a guardians of the galaxy thing where they like play these nostalgic songs like to action beats and then other times they don't mm-hmm. and it's um it's a little wonky there it, yeah it was hard to figure out what they were trying to do with that like they weren't consistent yeah yeah but again, those are like more besides my cinematography thing. Those are more nitpicks, yeah. Than, yeah. As opposed to like this movie's bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you want to rank, uh, score this thing, and then we can move on to spoilers? Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seems a little biased, but I feel Screw like you. scores. <laughs> I feel like scores are always biased, so that is totally fine. Reviewing is biased. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think one thing that we should mention about it is that it is awesome to see a, a female-led superhero film. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we are both males means that that is something that we can definitely appreciate and admire mm-hmm. and encourage, but it's not something that, like, I, I've heard from many women online that say that there is something very special about this film mm-hmm. for that reason, and I don't think that we should undersell that. Oh, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Uh, it's just not something we can, you know, particularly comment on. Yeah, I was texting my sister about it yesterday, and she absolutely loved it, and she uh, she was so disappointed that this hadn't happened earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, um, yeah. I think even the theme, which uh, I'm not going to give away, but, like, the, the theme, while it's obvious, it, it's a great message, especially for women, the uh, idea of... Carol being being hot headed and mm-hmm. like that's that's what makes her great mm-hmm. and that's what makes her powerful and a hero and super. It's it's not something like like I feel like a lot of times women are constantly told like, Oh, keep your emotions in check and yeah. like if you're if you're emotional then you're aggressive and like that's not true. Um and that's not something that uh, Captain Marvel embraces that and uh it's a I think it's a very strong message that's gonna it's it's she's a great role model. Yeah, for uh, a lot of young. I, girls. I'm reading a conversation with my sister from last night, and th- this isn't a spoiler or anything. Uh, there's a there's a line that Captain Marvel has. She says, "Uh, I don't have to prove anything to you." And oh, I loved that she, line. She's saying that to to a man, and uh, my my sister said she like gasped. <laughs> yeah, that that line was great. Let's let's get into spoilers and yeah. talk. Yes, please. Like go straight off of that because yeah. that's that's really interesting. But let's not mm-hmm. let's not ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, okay, we are. So Ian gave it a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Those mm-hmm. are both definite solid recommendations from the Movie Marathoners podcast. So if you haven't seen this, go out and see it in a big screen if you can. Yeah, once or twice. All right. So spoilers starting now.
That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Obviously, um, Jude Law is, plays some dude that we thought was Marvel, but is not Marvel. He's yeah. kind of Carol's mentor throughout the film. Um, and he ends up, he is a Kree warrior who ends up kind of ultimately being the bad guy in the film. Yeah. At the beginning of the film, you see uh, Jude Law training Ka- uh, Carol, and he's like, you know, you need to suppress your emotions. You need to, like, think with your head and not with your heart. You're going to get out of control if you let these emotions take the better of you. Mm-hmm. And so at the very end of the film, they do their final confrontation, right? And Carol, or Jude Law, in terms of the theme of the film, he, he is definitely yes. a white man. Yes. Um, <laughs> He he is, you know, yelling at Carol Danvers saying, like, you need to prove to me that you can you can beat me, like right here, this is our final showdown, whatever. And she kind of just blasts him into yeah. a wall with her uh super sane powers. And then she says the line that Ian mentions, like, I don't need to prove anything to you. That is great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. It, it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that reminded me of that Indiana Jones scene where he uh is that Indiana Jones? He confronts the guy with the sword. He oh, and he a, shoots yeah, him? Yeah, he just shoots him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have seen that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, but like just the uh, thematic weight behind that is is great. It's it's like it's a funny gag when she like just blasts him in mm-hmm. mid-sentence or whatever. Sort of like when a Deadpool shoots uh, Francis in the middle mm-hmm. of uh, – What's his name? Cable? It's not Cable. Uh, Colossus's speech. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like a funny thing. So it's humorous, but then, like, responding with the, I don't need to prove anything to you is mm-hmm. just uh, awesome. It was really fun to see. So, yeah, Jude Law's character, interesting, because in the original comics, Captain Marvel is originally a man mm-hmm. on Star Force or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of like an explosion happens and the powers from this Kree warrior transfer to Carol Carol Danvers uh, and then that's how she becomes and takes up the mantle of Captain Marvel yeah. but in this film it is actually Angela it's not Angela Bassett it's Annette Benning, mm-hmm. right Annette Benning's character who's kind of like Carol's uh, mother figure mm-hmm. throughout the film mentor yeah yeah mentor she ends up you you get it gets revealed that she's actually a Kree warrior and she is the one that is Marvel yeah, Marvel. Yeah. So that's a huge departure from canon, right? Mm-hmm. Completely changing the gender, completely changing the dynamic between mm-hmm. the two of them, sort of. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, like, no, I, I thought that's I, a great. I loved that. Yeah, it's a perfect example of changing canon and making it for the better mm-hmm. um, in the film. I, that that was great. Do you want to break down a little bit why Jude Law, or like like what happens with the Jude Law reveal and sort of how that relates to Ben Mendelsohn's character, who's kind of poised as the scroll villain um, for the initial half of the film? Oh, yeah. That was actually a pretty huge twist for me. Yeah, it's my favorite part of the film. Because, um, I mean, one of my favorite Marvel comic series is um, Secret Secret Invasion, where, like, Skrulls basically invade Earth, take the disguises of different Avengers, heroes, family members, and just, like, try taking over the Earth. Yeah, so Skrulls are these shape-shifting aliens or a species of shape-shifting aliens. Yeah, they can look uh, like whatever they want. But Um, normally they're, like, these green goblin-looking things. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Green Goblin. <laughs> Reference. But, but so they're traditionally villains in the comics, and um, Kree aren't usually super nice either. 
Um, they're usually like stuck up pricks, basically. Aren't they like very war bound and like yeah. sort of aggressive? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, they sort of reversed that in in this movie, which came to I'm guessing a big surprise to everybody that the green evil looking guys were actually just refugees trying to live and find a new home. And I, I personally loved that. That was that was Ben Mendelsohn, right? Yeah. 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 I thought he did a great job. Um, there was a point in the movie you were like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't die. <laughs> I was like, I hope yeah. so, too. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was really lovable. And it really made me like feel for like the, the plight of the, the scroll people against the Cree. The awesome. Awesome. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that, too, because like in the marketing and just like the way that the scrolls look, you... They look evil. Yeah, they look evil. <laughs> and then kind of doing that reversal of them... Both like so Ben Mendelssohn is almost always a villain. <laughs> so it's like great to see him kind of like just be not a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh like and he ends up being like a good guy. The whole reveal and the idea that like, you know, to quote Wizards of Waverly Place, everything is not what it seems, um, <laughs> is like a great way <laughs> it's a great way to use um these shape shifting scrolls. Like you kind of the reveal is that they are masquerading as villains, but they're not but they're not. They're they're actually the uh the victims of this mm-hmm. uh Cree War, that's yeah. It, it it was it added like a, a little bit more complexity to this plot mm-hmm. that is otherwise fairly straightforward. Um, and it was it was really fun to get to see Ben Mendelsohn play that sort of like antagonist, but antagonist with a heart, which is what he's very very good at. And something that I loved was yeah, Ben Mendelsohn is still alive, but so is uh so is Jude Law's character Jan Rog. Oh yeah, true. Which which is something that like the I feel like the Marvel universe doesn't really. The, the cinematic universe hasn't really left people alive unless they're going to use them again, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. What did you feel about Ronan? So Ronan, the accuser, is mm-hmm. the villain in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he sort of shows up as the kind of the leader of the Kree, which, like, in retrospect, should have been pretty obvious as to, like, oh, yeah, the Krees are going to be the bad guys. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that, like, this this... I'm going to call it a twist finding that the Kree are the bad guy and the scrolls are not fits very fittingly in with the rest of the MCU canon. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's so unpredictable is like kind of but so unpredictable but still makes sense is like pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. That that whole scene in space uh with Ronan showing up in like the final fight I guess in space. I, the whole time during during that space battle I was just thinking like wow like the guardians really could have used Carol. <laughs> <laughs> like she she flew through that massive ship and just destroyed it in a second. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, the whole Nova Corps died." <laughs> yeah. That's a good uh, yeah, so Ronan at the end, so he comes in and shows up and he's going to attack Earth and then he's like he sees that Carol is protecting them and then he sort of like and he sort of just bounces, which feels like if he wasn't in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, they would have there would have been a conflict there that was a bit longer yeah, and yeah. Ronan probably would have died. Um, <laughs> but he says, we'll come back. And they're like, oh, we'll come back for the... Oh, also the Tesseract is in here, by the way. Cool. We'll come back for the weapon. And he's like, you're talking about the Tesseract? And he's like, no, the woman. Like, we want to come back for Captain Marvel. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they do anything about that because we know he's dead, supposedly. But she's also not on Earth. Yeah, so at the end of the film, she flies away with all the scrolls that are refugees to find a, a new planet for the scrolls to mm-hmm. live on. So that's, I guess we are left to assume that that is why 
she'd been MIA for 20 years or 25 years mm-hmm. until assume we're assuming Endgame. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do, do you think that I know you and I both were thinking that it might have to do with some time travel stuff, but it seems like what it is is just no, she's just in deep space the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and I, I think that honestly makes as much sense for Carol's character as anything because she like loves to fly and she like wants to be in space and stuff. It makes sense that she just is is going to be out there for 25 years. She if it wasn't for Endgame happening, she'd probably be out there for like another 25 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that there will be any more clarification in Endgame about where she was or anything like that? Do you think? Well, I feel like I feel like there has to be. I'm I'm guessing like yeah. I don't know, Tony or Bruce. Bruce is gonna be like, well, where the hell were you? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that'll that'll be interesting. I wonder how much they'll save for that versus like a a sequel. Yeah, uh, or maybe she'll be in Guardians of the Galaxy three. Something like that. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy three will just turn into a Captain Marvel movie because that thing is in the in the pooper right now. Yeah. Where's Goose been for the last twenty years? I don't I don't know how long Flarkins live. Yeah, you think he's dead? I don't, he just died. I have, I have no idea, dude. Um. Yeah. yeah so, so so Goose the cat isn't actually a a normal cat, or maybe all cats are Flarkins, and we uh, don't know it. I don't think that's it. But, yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> But but Goose is is a flurkin and is a little uh, alien boy who can just shoot little tentacles out of his mouth and eat everything and he, he swallowed <laughs> the tesseract so that's where the tesseract is. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and <laughs> yeah so he swallows the tesseract with his tentacle things which was very funny both like both times he did it that was that was great. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the post-credit scenes then. So the first one is with Goose, the, or I mean, I guess the the kind of non-consequential one is the one with Goose where he like hairballs up the Tesseract. Yeah. So I guess that <laughs> explains how uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. gets the Tesseract. It's a little bizarre that they've had it for like 20 years. Like what's what's Loki doing? What's Thanos doing? Like, does he not have a plan yet to uh, yeah. get the Infinity Stones? Or like, why, why does it take 20 years? I don't know. It's just working out, I guess. Yeah, getting buff, building his plates of armor. Um, but so the second or like the main post credit scene is like it seems to be like a clip from within uh, Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. right? And they have that little uh, pager pager yeah. that Captain Marvel gives Nick Fury um, and that Nick Fury activates at the end of uh, Infinity War and they are like keeping it powered or whatever and then it goes blank and then they're all like, oh, crap, like what's going on? Captain Marvel shows up. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right away. How'd you feel about that? Oh, I, I loved it. Um, after wa- <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> after watching like an entire movie just about Captain Marvel, knowing that she was like going to have to go into Endgame somehow, and then like getting the satisfaction of like seeing her walk in Avengers, like I don't know what, like their war room now, I guess, their or base, their refuge, whatever it is. It's the one in um, upstate New York. Yeah, but that that was so dope, and I I can't wait to see specifically like. The dynamic between, I almost said Cap, but there are two Caps now. Captain Marvel and uh, Captain America. And I guess uh, Tony, too, when, when he comes back. Like, if, I, I want to see, like, the dynamic, dynamic between, like, leaderships. Yeah. Because that that's something that you see in the comics a lot, like, the clashing of heads between Tony and uh, Carol. Yeah, how much do you think she's going to be in Endgame? I think a lot. You think so? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, so it's very clear that they're setting Captain Marvel to be kind of the Captain America going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that 
Endgame, first and foremost, needs to tie up the story of Steve Rogers mm-hmm. and Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that, w- like, it'll be cool to see that dynamic. I'm hoping that we can see the dynamic between, like, the dynamic between Cap and Tony yeah. takes center stage. Part of me hopes that they need like, to. They need to. They don't force Carol into a leadership role immediately. Yeah. But on the other hand, like knowing Carol, I feel like she's gonna try to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely like to see like the the whole Cap Tony thing wrap up first. Yeah, they need to make amends. Yeah. They've before they die, mm-hmm. before they both if, die, or if, one of them dies. One of them or, dies. I'm guessing at least one of them will die. But that's another podcast. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about this film? Um, I have a couple things that I want to like poke, poke at. Oh but, yeah, go um, for it. Yeah. So the little girl, who did you say her name was? Monica. Monica. Yeah, she wasn't a great actress. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, I I was saying I was telling Allie yesterday that like, you know, I feel bad for saying that like a little kid is a bad actress, but like there's like millions of little kids, so like. <laughs> Get one that's good, good acting. It's it's a bit part, but like it's kind of right when first Captain Mo- when when Carol returns and like she has been returned from being dead. Mm-hmm. The girl's belief about her being not dead is not the best emotional performance. We'll say yeah, that. No, um, that. Other than that, though, I thought the acting was great. I I feel like they. You mentioned that you liked the supporting characters, and while I do agree that. Um, What's her name? The the other Maria. Maria. I did think that she was quite good. I thought she was good. I thought uh, Samuel Jackson was good. Yep. I thought um, Clark Gregg. The Clark Gregg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought he was really good. I thought I can't remember her name now. Uh, Marvell. I thought that she was really good. Annette Benning. Yeah. 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 My my main problem was with the uh, the supporting star commanders. I think Gemma Chan and. Uh, I don't want to butcher the name, but it's like Dijuman Hussan mm-hmm. or something. They are both great actors, and they're not given that much to do here. It's not their movie, but like, could have been cool to see them do a little bit more. Yeah. And then, while I believe the relationship between Carol and her fighter family, so Monica and Maria, it's not really seen that much in the film. Like the the relationship between the little girl and Carol. So the fact that like she gets to make her suit colors felt a little unearned. I think Carol saw like a bit of herself in her though. Okay. Like, like when the little girl was talking about how she want how she was like I can build a spaceship and then uh Nick Fury was like I don't know about that or something like that. And then Car- Carol was like you don't know. Yeah. Like I-, I think that was her like seeing a bit of herself in uh Monica. I don't know the suit colors, like like her changing the colors on her thing, and like being able to know how to instantly turn it to red, white, and blue. Oh well, was she, a little silly. She uh, she's a genius though. Monica goes on to be uh, in the comics. She goes on to be Captain Marvel for a little bit before Carol did, and then what's uh, her powers? Energy. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay. She her powers are pretty vague to me. Uh, she's like I think she's called Spectrum now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, th- yeah, just the, the minor nitpicks I had were that, like, there's no way she'd be able to know how to use that Kree tech to, like, change the colors. And I, I, I thought it would have been cooler if she had, like, based the colors off of, like, Captain America or something. And then also they give her her fighter jacket or her fighter jacket yeah. uh, when she goes and flies into space. And, like, the <laughs> whole idea is that she's got, like, a heat source in her hands. Like, when she lights up, it's heat. So, like, that jacket would burn the fuck up. 
but that's like a minor, minor, tiny nitpick. I like uh, to think that they put like something like flame retardant. Yeah, they on didn't. It. They didn't. That, Not on that, screen. That's dumb. No, that, <laughs> that's dumb. But that's that's me nitpicking. Um, so that's fine. <laughs> okay. So do you have anything else you want to talk about? Other than that, I'm really excited for Endgame. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited yeah. for. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm excited to see where Carol goes after Endgame. If she's going to go to the Guardians of the Galaxy, if she's going to be the new mm-hmm. like leader of the Avengers, and that's where she's going to appear, or if she's going to continue with her own solo series. Yeah, I would. I would definitely like to see a Captain Marvel two. Um, I really want to see Ben Mendelsohn back. Yeah. Oh, actually, one thing I do want to talk about uh, is the Ben Mendelsohn connection. Um, so the directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Yes. Have you seen anything that they've done before? I have not. Wow me with your knowledge. Okay, so it's not knowledge, but I did watch <laughs> their like one other movie, and that's uh, Mississippi Grind, which has Ben Mendelsohn in it. Uh, as well as Ryan Reynolds, and it's like a poker movie. I don't know anything about poker, so it was like kind of hard to follow what was going on in that movie. But uh, I thought the movie was perfectly good. Um, it did not seem to have any like unique directorial flares in it that like made it be like what they're doing here. They can definitely pull off a Captain Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and I think that that is definitely reflected in the film. Um, they're not a Ryan Coogler or a Taika Waititi that like kind of places their own spin on the thing. That's where I think some of the more traditional feel for the film comes from and that they are very much directors that do what they do. It doesn't seem like they are bringing anything that another journeyman director like Ron Howard, for example, couldn't bring. Mm. I don't know if you disagree with that. Okay. I did like that part of the film took place in Louisiana, which is also one of the main things in Mississippi Grind are mm-hmm. uh, main things, places. It's also where or whatever. the Rambos are from. In oh, comics. cool. Yeah. So, oh yeah, one last nitpick. <laughs> they changed Captain Marvel's Boston origin. Oh, yeah. Being Boston-based, that's a bummer. <laughs> Wait, what, um, what makes you say they, they changed it? Well, we okay. Just did, I we mean, just didn't see it. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Are the, She was in like a corn maze at one point. It looked, I don't know, maybe maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't, but they didn't like... How dare you? Yeah, okay, <laughs> fine, fine, I'm sorry. I would have liked to have her have a Boston accent. <laughs> oh <my laughs> no, God, I'm just kidding. no. I'm just kidding, but her would dad could have, that would have been funny. So um, that's going to mark the end of our Captain Marvel uh, spoiler discussion. Mm-hmm. So now we're just going to briefly move in to the point two section of our podcast where we uh, discuss what we've been watching. Uh, other than Captain Marvel, of course. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ian, what have you seen lately? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> the past um, two weeks, I've just been fueling up for uh, Captain Marvel. So I've been rereading a bunch of her older comics, um, some of her newer ones, too. And then I realized that like, I hadn't really seen much with Brie Larson in it. And I realized I definitely should see the the thing she won an Oscar for. <laughs> so I, I I watched The Room on Netflix. No, no, you didn't. I watched Room on Netflix. There you go. Yeah. Thank better. you. Better. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. Yeah, I, I watched it on a on a Friday morning. Uh, it was it was a nice way to start the day. Yeah, a it's nice a nice little uplifting story. Yeah. So <laughs> Ian's being facetious. If you've never heard of Room, it's uh it's pretty heavy. Right. Yeah, it, it's starring Brie Larson. It's about this girl who was kidnapped as a child and pretty much locked in a room by a guy, raped by him, forced to give birth to a son, 
and it's just sort of about how she lives after that. Yeah, and so like they've been stuck in that room since the boy's been born. So yeah. like the boy knows nothing but yeah. that room. It's like six years or five years. Yeah, it's like uh, it's pretty tough to watch, um, but it's very very good. Yeah, and I I agree with. I mean, I don't know if you said that you would recommend it, but like I no, I, I would, would recommend definitely it. recommend it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Don't go into it looking to be uplifted though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It does have a a it, good ending, yeah, like I, a happy ending, but it's not like, oh boy, I can't wait to feel good for yeah. two hours. <laughs> um, it's there are some very tough things, and uh, but the boy Jacob Tremblay is also he's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he's very so believable. Good. That's a good example. Cast of a, him as Monica. And, yeah, yeah, no, no, don't do that. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I actually similarly uh, watched a Brie Larson film in preparation for this. Uh, it's called Free Fire. Have you ever heard of it? Oh. So it's a smaller movie. It came out, I want to say, three years ago, maybe four, 2015, something like that. And it's it's a very like small action film that kind of has – it's like an ensemble cast of people that kind of meet for a weapons deal, like a gun – weapons exchange deal and it quickly goes wrong because of some like uh previous mishaps between members of the the uh opposing teams and it kind of turns into this all-out shootout in in a warehouse and the Mm. film is a short hour and 30 minutes of just people or of just this like shootout that kind of escalates and gets uh, more crazy and all the characters have like crazy personalities it reminds me of something like snatch or uh, some of the Ocean's Eleven movies or the Quentin Tarantino movies where, like, mm. they like all the characters are kind of quirky and they have yeah. their own little thing. A lot of them are played by, like, very good character actors. So one of them is Brie Larson. I see Army Hammer's in it. Yep, Army Hammer. That's uh, awesome. Charlotte Copley <laughs> plays a Charlotte Copley character. Cillian Murphy is in it. Yeah. So all these people, they kind of occupy this thing. Um, and I would describe the film as being a really interesting, unique concept. It's like kind of like a bottle episode like in TV where like everything happens in one setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really cool. The idea of having all this action, that's super cool. But the way it is executed falls really flat for me. I ended up not really liking it. And that was really unfortunate. The acting was great. But my main problem was that it's a lot of like people shooting back and forth at each other. And a lot of the main characters are all white men with names like John and Chris. And oh. so like they're sort of like shouting at each other from like, different parts of this warehouse. Um, so like, it's very confusing to understand what's going on, who's shooting at who, mm-hmm. where people are in comparison to each other or like where people are in the room at any mm-hmm. given time. Um, and I think that would have been benefit, like the film would have been much better if they had some establishment shots of like, yeah. kind of like overhead views of seeing people at different points in the room. Cause what you get at the end is very confusing and it's very hard to engage in. Yeah, you so, would think that with a movie like that where it's focused around a shootout, which can be like chaotic, you know. Yeah, I think that they would want to be clear about that. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was really like just unclear, um, which made it very hard to get invested in the film. Um, so even though portions were good and like that Brie Larson was great in it, it's just not something that like I would want to watch again because it just wasn't that fun. I think I might watch it. I really like Army Hammer too. Yeah, I mean, if you like those types of movies and you like know that going in that like it probably won't make too much sense. I mm-hmm. would recommend putting on subtitles because it gives you the names of who's talking at any given uh, point. Mm. So I put on subtitles like halfway through. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Okay. I would recommend that so that you sort of start to like get an idea for who each of the characters are. 
that might be helpful for sure. Cool. But um, yeah. Uh, I also recently rewatched Spider-Verse for the third time. With How was my, that? Still as good as ever. <laughs> I put my girlfriend to the test to make sure that she liked it. And while she, you know, isn't as ecstatic about it as you and I are, um, she liked it. So um, it's okay. She she passed the test. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I've I've been trying to read up on some Brie Larson comics or <laughs> some Brie Larson some, comics. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know. read those. No, <laughs> on some uh, Captain Marvel comics. Uh, didn't get too far on that, but yeah. Awesome. All right. So that is the end of our podcast. This has been our review of Captain Marvel. So, um, Ian, if they'd like to follow you online and they want to like hear more from you, where where can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at i Anderson. The O is a zero. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me at mgroll9 on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. If you have any feedback on ways that we can improve, ways to improve the podcast, uh, things that you'd like us to talk about, anything like that, please reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know. Um, yeah, we also, anything you want me to change about myself, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for you. Yeah, we are chameleons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also have a uh, podcast site. Um, it's on Podbean, and it's called the Movie Marathoners Podcast. So, um, yeah. We hope that you'll join us again next time where we run through Jordan Peele's Us. So until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.